Luke chapter number 2, verse number 1. The Bible said, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea and to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Would you help us pray and then you can be seated. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for the service that we're in this morning. Thank you for the good singing. Thank you for the good spirit of God that's here already. Thank you for uh, your presence being real in our lives. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Thank you for that message coming to where we were. God, wherever we were, whenever it was that it came to us, many people here have been saved for a very long time and others have been saved for just a short period but I am so thankful for the gospel and there's some maybe here this morning that does not know of the free pardon of sin that you offer through your son Jesus Christ maybe they've heard it in the past and maybe put it off for a more convenient season or maybe they've rejected it altogether. but I pray today will be the day of salvation uh, for the soul that's uh, lost and undone then I pray for the one who is struggling down life's way God they are finding themselves in a place of maybe darkness or depression maybe a place of discouragement and disappointment. I pray today would be the good glad day that they get encouraged in the Lord. I pray God today that you'd be real amongst us now. Help us preach with power and unction of the Holy Spirit of God. In Jesus name I pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for God's eternal word. Have you ever received a gift that was wrapped in an unlikely way? Have you ever received a gift that was wrapped? Maybe, maybe you've had that pl a trick played on you or maybe you've played the trick on someone where you had a small gift and it was wrapped in a real big old box. Or maybe you've had a small gift that had a little bit bigger box and then a little bit bigger box and a little bit bigger box and they had to dig through uh, uh, all kinds of uh, uh, all kind of boxes to get or maybe a bunch of uh, well, that tissue paper or whatever that stuff's called. They had to dig through a bunch of it to get to the gift. I remember on one occasion, I don't remember who gave me the gift or anything like that, but I do remember unwrapping a gift one time and it was a diaper box. And uh, being a, a dad with babies, I thought, well, that's a useful gift. It's not exactly what I wanted, but that's a useful gift. And, and I remember, I don't remember who it was that gave it to me, but they laughed and they said, oh, that's not your gift. You've got to open the box. And my gift was inside the diaper box. So have you ever had a gift like that that was wrapped in an unlikely way? Or maybe you wrapped a gift in an unusual way to give it to somebody? Maybe, have you ever had a gift that you didn't want? 
that was given to you that you didn't want. I remember as a child, my great aunt Geneva uh, from Chattanooga, she lived, they lived in Chattanooga and she always, they always came down to our house and, at uh, Christmas time and I remember when they got there, I loved Aunt Jenny and Uncle Ray. Uncle Ray was my favorite uncle. He was funny and, uh, and he didn't have no teeth and he could talk like Donald Duck and he always liked to watch cartoons with us and I just loved uh, Uncle Ray. He, uh, anyway, uh, but Aunt Jenny and Uncle Ray liked to play tricks on us kids and one Christmas they uh, wrapped up a bundle of sticks, a bunch of hickories, and gave them to us for Christmas. Now, I don't rem- I know that they gave us something other than that, but I don't remember what they gave us, but I do remember that, that pile of sticks they gave us that, that year as a gag gift, if you will. But you've probably received some gifts before in your life that uh, you just really, I mean, you really didn't want. I mean, even the most grateful-spirited person here today. I know you got angel feathers in your mouth when you prayed earlier. Uh, Even you have received gifts that you didn't really want. You probably looked at the person who gave you and said, Thank you. You shouldn't have. In your mind, you was thinking, why did you, right? (laughs) You probably received some gifts that you scratched your head and thought, did they even know who I am? I mean, do they realize that I can't do nothing with this? I have no idea what this thing is. Or maybe you've got a gift and you received it and you said, oh, I was looking at them the other day. But but remind me, what do you call this thing again? What do you do with yours, (laughs) right? And you probably received some gifts. You probably received some gifts. Sometimes you thought, I can't even re-gift this thing. Right? I know none of y'all are that carnal, I guess. Y'all don't re-gift stuff. But you know, life has a way of giving us some unexpected gifts sometimes. Life has a way of handing us some unwanted packages in our, our lives sometimes. Sometimes some things come our way that not only are they wrapped unexpectedly, but they are, they're not wanted when they're unwrapped. I don't care if you wrap it in gold lining paper. When you get to the gift, you just really didn't want that to happen. Maybe a termination notice from your job or, or maybe a bad report from the doctor's office. Maybe a, a, maybe a family uh, situation that comes right down the line that you just were not expecting and, and you didn't want maybe a collection notice from the bill collector and you ain't got enough money to pay it. Maybe a harsh message from somebody that maybe in your family or maybe a friend circle that you've got a strained relationship with and, and they, 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 they either call or they send a message or something like that that just uh, uh, cuts you to the di- uh, deep in the core. Maybe it's a message from someone. Maybe it's your family member that you're close to that they're giving you the message they're going to get a divorce soon and uh, life is about to change for them. And I don't know what it might be, but a lot of times the packages that have our name on it are not the presents we want to unwrap. There's some things that we don't want underneath the tree, or if, you, if I could say it like that. And as we look at the first Christmas, as we've been looking at it last several Sundays and Wednesdays in different ways, uh, we see this first Christmas is wrapped in a set of unusual circumstances. It's wrapped in an unexpected way, and just to be honest with you, uh, uh, the way that this Christmas, this first Christmas is unfolded and unwrapped, uh, it is unpleasant, it is unlikely, and it, uh, it's unexpected, uh, and, uh, and we're going to see in these undesirable packages how God's grace is at work in the first Christmas, and I want to remind you this morning, in those unwanted, undesirable packages of our life, God's grace is is at work this morning. 
And I want to preach on this morning on God's gift or gift, the gift of God's providence. God's providence in our life. Some unexpected gifts. Now, what do you do when life hands you some unwanted packages? What do you do when you receive that gift, so to speak, that, that you didn't want in the first place and you wish you could return, but maybe it's unavoidable. Maybe it's something you can't, you can't stop from coming, you can't keep from coming, or, and you can't even give away. So what do I do? Number one, and we're going to see what to do from this story here with Mary and Joseph. Number one, you recognize God's providence in your life. Number one, recognize God's providence. Look at verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now, now Caesar Augustus was the first emperor of the Roman Empire. And he established a lot of things that were good things for the empire, good things for society in general. Like he, he established the first fire department to fight fires. He established the first police department to police and govern uh, the you know, police crime and all that kind of stuff. He uh, also had a road department that, he, that they, they maintained the roads into Italy there. And they would maintain those roads. He also had 170,000 soldiers that he himself commanded. And all of that was good for society. That was good for the Roman Empire. But all of that stuff was, was expensive. And so how are they going to pay for it? Just like they pay for it now. They're going to tax the people. And so that's what has caused the tax here uh, that he's got to raise the money to be able to afford to have this road department, this police department, this fire department, if you will. And so can you imagine though Mary and Joseph hearing the news that now there's a tax that's going to be given I can just imagine their, their disappointment, their dismay, their, maybe even maybe some confusion involved. And not because they're trying to evade paying taxes. Not because they don't want to do what's right. But, but at this time, they were going to have to go from Nazareth 70 miles away to Bethlehem to pay this tax. Because not only is it a paying of the tax, but it's also a census, trying to get a count of the people. And so they're going to have to travel right around the time that baby is expected to be born. They're going to have to travel over 70 miles away from Nazareth to Bethlehem to pay these taxes and report for the census. Why Bethlehem? Why do they have to go to Bethlehem? Well, the Bible tells us in verse 4, and Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Here it is. Because he was of the house and lineage of David. This tax and this census called for those people to go back to the city of their lineage. Go back to your family's hometown. Joseph and Mary's living in Nazareth. And uh, Joseph and Mary are fine there in Nazareth. But the, the, the order says you've got to go back to your city of your family. And so Joseph being of the line of David has to go back to Bethlehem and, and go and where his family is from to pay this tax and to give, the, give their count for the census. Now think about this. Mary and Joseph start figuring out when, they're gotta, when do they have to be in Bethlehem and they start looking at this and they realize the same time they're supposed to be in Bethlehem coincides with the timing that they expect the baby to be born. 
I don't know how accurate their due dates were. Probably more accurate than ours are, by the way. I don't know about y'all's babies, but not all three of ours have come on different days than their due date, right? And I don't know how yours have worked, but all of ours have come early. And, uh, and so our due date's never been right on ours, and maybe yours has. But I wonder how accurate they were back in those days. I don't know. But they knew we got to go to Bethlehem, and it's at the same time frame the baby's supposed to be born. Now, again, they also got to think about travel arrangements. They're not jumping, they're not jumping in the family station wagon driving down to Bethlehem. I mean, 70 miles for us really doesn't seem that bad. I mean, 70 miles for us in the car. I mean, that doesn't seem an awful long way to go. Uh, I mean, the way some of y'all drive, you could be there in far less than an hour. Some of you drive by grace and not by law. Some of y'all get that later on. But, uh, but they, they got to think about travel, uh, uh, travel arrangements. They don't have a comfortable car to ride in. And uh, they don't have even a train to take 70 miles down the road or a bus or anything like that. They're probably, I don't know if all these nativity movies are right, but they might be traveling on a donkey. That's what they say. I don't know. They might have been on a horse. I don't know. Might have been on a buggy. I don't know what they've been on. But I promise you uh, it didn't have a cushion seat uh, or even a great cushion seat and shock absorbers and all that other stuff that modern vehicles have. So they got to think about all of this. And they just thought, and maybe, maybe even the thought crossed their mind, maybe the baby will come early. Maybe it'll come before we have to go. That way we don't have to travel that or whatever. I don't know what their thoughts were, but nonetheless, they, they are preparing to go on this 70-mile journey from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. Is that inconvenient for them? Sure it is. The baby's about to be born. You think that was a stressful journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem? You better believe it. It had been stressful anyway, much less with an expecting lady, right? And really close to having child. Great with child, what the Bible says. You think it had been frightening? Oh, yeah. What happens if we're on a back road somewhere and she goes into labor? Joseph was probably thinking, I ain't never, I don't know what to do. Never been through this. I'm sure being that kind of uh, society, Joseph had probably helped deliver baby goats and baby sheep and baby uh, cows and stuff like that before. But I'm telling you what, it ain't the same. I mean, let's be honest with you. I, I've watched some of that stuff be birthed too. And it don't bother me real bad if one of them don't make it through the, the birth canal. But I'm telling you, a human, that's a lot different. Amen? I know some of y'all been sold the lie of the devil about us being animals, but we ain't animals, friend. We different, amen? And so, uh, and so that's different. That's different. And so I just imagine the fear that even Joseph had of just traveling. Oh, what happens if we're on the road? And she starts going into labor. Well, how? I don't know what to do. I'm sure Mary's thinking the same thing. He don't know what to do. I mean, he's not a midwife. He never had any training. And, I, and I've never been through this before. I'm sure there's fear that struck them about what's going on. But now, now look, we... Looking back on the story, we looking at it today, we can read it and we say, oh, don't worry about it, Mary. Don't worry about it, Joseph. This is all part of God's plan. But we wasn't living it. See, we can look back on this and we can connect the dots to Isaiah's prophecy and Micah's prophecy and, and we can connect the dots so we know the end of the story. Everything ends up being okay with the birth. They're going to make it on time into Bethlehem and even though it's not a, a, a hospital room or even a, a proper uh, a, a room in the inn, they're going to have a safe place to deliver that baby. Everything's going to be fine. But we're not at the beginning of the story. 
See, today when we read this story, when we read this account, we know that all of this trip was orchestrated by God's divine providence. This all had to happen. See, we know that 700 years prior to Mary and Joseph heading to Bethlehem, God gave a prophecy to the prophet Micah and told Micah to write these words down. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from, from of old, from everlasting. And we can see it. But I don't know if Mary and Joseph knew that prophecy was there. I'm not sure how much they understood the prophecy if they knew it was there. I don't know what they knew. I don't know what what they thought about this trip. But I want to remind you that nothing takes God by surprise. Flash forward to 2023, you may be surprised by the frustrating things that happen in your life and you may be uh, surprised by the unusual packages that are delivered to you and you may be surprised uh, by the undesirable gifts that are in your life, but nothing takes God by surprise. It is all working in the divine providential plan of God Almighty in your life. And see, in this particular trip, it was a fulfillment of God's prophecy. God wanted his boy to be born in Bethlehem. So God orchestrates this thing to make it happen. Now I'll tell you what, that prophecy 700 years prior, that's pretty exciting. That's pretty amazing. But I'll tell you what, it even gets better now. A previous, this announcement, this announcement was actually given throughout the Roman Empire three years prior to Mary and Joseph hearing about it. That's what verse 2 tells us. Verse number 2 tells us who was governor at the time. Serenius was governor. And that tells us around 8 B.C. is when this tax was actually put in place. Now they didn't have internet to give out all the information. And they didn't have uh, Fox News or Newsmax or CNN or whatever other station there is out there to get it on the television. And they didn't have radios to be able to give the radio on the, on the, uh, the, 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 the WSB radio network and have somebody to tell everybody. Uh, they didn't have alerts and stuff like that. Uh, Amber alerts to tell on your phone. Taxes are due. Taxes are due. So, so the news is traveling pretty slow in those days. And three years later, after the decree is written, three years later, it gets down to Judea. It gets down to Israel. And it gets down to a little town called Nazareth. And there, Mary and Joseph find out they've got to go into Bethlehem and pay this tax and pay and, 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 and record themselves for the census. And so here we are. And this, this means here it is. But even years, a few years even before Christ was born, God moved the most powerful man on earth at the time. That's who that Caesar was. He was the most powerful man on earth at that time. God moved his heart and required to require a taxing all so he could get his Mary, that Mary and that Joseph carrying that baby, all so he could get them from Nazareth to Bethlehem to fulfill his prophecy. 
I'm talking about God's providence, friend. I'm talking about God's plan. I'm talking about God is planning this thing. He's providentially making this way happen. And nobody else sees what's going on. Everybody else thinks it's inconvenient. Everybody else thinks it's dangerous. Everybody else thinks this is stressing me out. But God's got a master plan. And he knows the end from the beginning. He knows how this thing's going to work out. Amen. So what do I do? When unexpected packages delivered to me, I just got to recognize God's providence in my life. I've got to recognize that everything that happens to me, good or bad, are filtered up through the divine providential hands of God. I've got to realize God's got a plan in all of this. Now, and that's what happens in this journey to Bethlehem. This journey to Bethlehem was difficult, but it was filtered through the hands of God And as we watch Mary and Joseph unwrap this gift, we see them unwrap this gift with grace. We don't have a single word of complaint recorded from them. I mean, we preach the story, we tell the story from our point of view, so we always ad-lib in some complaints and some, some all that kind. But you don't have one word of complaint from them in the Bible. And you know what? I just believe my Bible enough to know if they were some complaints, they would, God would have showed them to us. Because God doesn't show a bunch of perfect people in this Bible. God shows us people just like us. I believe if Mary and Joseph would have been complaining and whining and crying about it, we'd have heard about it. But I don't believe they did. And they just accepted what God's will was for their life. And they accepted that God's providential hand is in all of this. If God wants his boy born in Bethlehem, he'll be born in Bethlehem. If God wants him born in Nazareth, he'll be born in Nazareth. And if God wants him born anywhere in between, God can do what he wants to do. So, I think about our lives. Listen, this was unavoidable for them. They couldn't help it. They couldn't get out of it. They couldn't write an extension or anything like that. I think about the unavoidable things that happen in our lives. You know what? When things, that are un- when things happen to you, listen to me, you've got a choice you can make. You could try to spend your, when it's unavoidable, you could spend your wheels trying to get out of it, trying to change it, spend your energy trying to change the circumstances, or you could spend your time stewing on the bitterness that you have because of those circumstances. Or I'll tell you what I think a better option might be is you could just choose to trust God in God's providential plan in the midst of all of this. I can't help it. I didn't get myself in it. I can't get myself out of it. So I'm just going to trust God. And what he's got planned for me is far greater than I've got planned for myself. And what God's will is for my life is far better than my will for my own life. I'm just going to trust him. I'm not going to get bitter in it. I'm just going to get better in it. I'm not going to try to get out of it. I'm just going to see what I can get out of it. God is working in my life. And what's happening to me is filtered through his divine plans. Divine plan and his divine hand. See, you're not, you may not see his hand of providence while you're going through it. Again, I don't know that Mary and Joseph did. To be honest with you, I, I highly doubt they did. I guess I imagine that Mary and Joseph, I mean, they believe what the angels told them, but the angels, and I know Joseph told the angel that the virgin was going to be birth. We have, but we don't have it recorded. The angel told him he was going to be born in Bethlehem. We don't have that record. We're looking back on the story. 
I imagine eventually Mary and Joseph realized, hey, this was the way. I don't know if it was the, the wise men that came and told them or, or if it was the shepherds that came and told them or maybe it was Simeon there at the temple that told I don't know when they found out. But I just got to imagine through this whole journey, they did not know that God was working this out for their good. They was just trusting that he was. And so a lot of times we don't see the providential hand of God. It may be years down the road. And matter of fact, we may not ever see it down here. We may not ever get the, get the answer to the question, why did this happen? Why did this go that way? But my friend, they faced, the Mary and Joseph faced that unavoidable circumstances, and later on they found out God was working in that situation. Now think about this. That happened for a lot of people in the Bible. I don't have time to deal with that this morning. But you think about Joseph in the book of Genesis. You think about Joseph. I'm talking about the Old Testament. Oh, he didn't know why he was going through what he went through. He didn't know why his brothers were treating him like they were treating him. He didn't know why he got through in that pit or why he went down to prison or he went to Potiphar's house. But oh, at the end of the story, he saw that God's providential hand was working in all of that. Oh, I think about old Daniel. Daniel didn't know why he's down in Babylon. I didn't know why he's captured by that ungodly people, Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, but when he watched God shut the mouth of those lions and he heard the voice of God giving him those divine revelations of what was to come. Oh, divine God's uh, Daniel saw God's divine plan in his life. I think about old David uh, headed down there with some cheese and bread for his uh, uh, brothers who didn't like him. Uh, wondering why in the world did I got to go deliver this food? Uh, why am I got to be the one stuck shepherd in the sheep? Uh, when he got down the battlefield uh, he saw God's divine plan in his life. Uh, when he took that sling uh, and that rock uh, and threw it at the Goliath I can talk about others in the Bible how they just trusted God's providential plan in their life and they didn't know what they were going through when they were going through but at the end they could look back and say look what God did in my life I think I'll just go with God this morning amen I think I'll just trust God's providential plan in my life I think I'll just trust God knows better than I do and his will is far greater than my will I think I'll just recognize his providential plan in my life now watch this anything out of your control is filtered through the hand of God now listen, we know God does not call sin. and We know he doesn't order up sin. But I'll tell you what I can rest assured in. I can rest assured that anything that comes into my life is directed by his providence. And watch this. God is never, never going to allow something into my life that he is not able to make good on his promise. You say what promise is that? The promise in Romans 8 28 when he said this that all things work together for good to them that love God and God's not going to let anything enter into my life that he is not able to work for good and he's not going to allow anything to go on in my life that he is not able to bank good on that promise that he's working it for my good and for his glory. So sometimes Unusual things come our way. Unexpected things come our way. Undesirable things come our way. What should we do? We recognize God's providence. Number two, we need to respond. We see the response to God's providence in, later on in the verses. Look what it says. The Bible says in verse 4, And Joseph also went up from Galilee. He got up and went. Look in verse number 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. You know, I asked a question earlier of have you ever received a gift that was wrapped in an unlikely way? 
I think uh, the all-time winner of the most unusual wrapping of a precious gift had to be the manger in Bethlehem. I mean, that's wrapped in an unusual way, isn't it? I mean, you think about it. You've got this crude manger, this crude cradle, this crude feeding trough, and inside of it's the creator of the world. That's unusual, right? I mean, you think about it. Now, a lot of the pictures of the nativity scene, you're going to see, it, what you're going to see is you're going to see a, uh, a, a gentle, hay-lined, wooden manger. That, that you could imagine that would probably even look like a, a, a primitive uh, cradle. And, and even in our story, in our play, that's what it's going to be. But watch this. That's not, that's not really accurate. I'm sorry. Sorry, I just ruined your nativity scenes. I don't mean you got to throw them out, okay? I don't know what this one even looks like. It don't really matter. See, that looks, that don't look that bad. I mean, that looks like, I mean, that actually looks really, really nice. But I guess so if you're going to display it. But reality, it wasn't a cradle. It wasn't a crib. It was a feeding trough. Matter of fact, it was a uh, stone uh, carved out maybe a little bit of a maybe a little little bowl shape into it maybe just enough to hold the food it was a it was a crude stone feeding trough and and I don't know I ain't been around it as much as some of y'all have but feeding trough ain't clean nasty what you feeding the animals are in there that slobber and snot off that man, animal snouts in there oh wipe it down all you want to but she don't have hand sanitizing wipes she ain't got no Clorox wipes. She ain't got no thieves spray. She ain't got no essential oils to wipe her down. Amen. She ain't got no Clorox bleach. Amen. She don't have none of that, all that stuff that burns your hairs in your nose you, and that's how you know it's clean, right? She don't have none of that. I mean, surely she wiped it down a little bit, but it's still a feeding trough. Nasty, filthy feeding trough. And there, there it was in that feeding trough. Is the creator of the world. In that feeding trough is the, is the Savior. I mean, listen, nobody would want to lay their newborn baby there. I mean, listen, I mean, you think about how not just that trough, but what about the stable? Can you imagine the smell of that stable? I mean, just imagine all of those animals in there and uh, animals don't have any kind of etiquette when it comes to using the restroom. And... Uh, are or, or, or eating and, and all the critters that are in there, the smell that it must have been, the nasty that it must have been. I mean, I'm guaranteed that ain't passing no hospital inspection, right? I'm sure if the child services walked into there, they're taking that little baby, right? None of us would. But watch this. It ain't just a normal baby she's laying in that thing. That's the Savior of the world. And you think about this. That wasn't even Mary and Joseph's choice. That wasn't even that innkeeper's choice. Watch this. We're talking about God coming in the flesh. Now, don't, don't, don't get nervous right here, but watch this. When God chose to come to earth, the first place he chose to lay his head was a manger. A crude, filthy feeding trough in a nasty stable. God chose that for himself. 
God chose where he was going to come to first lay his hand. You think about, and you think about the contrast that is. You think about the crudeness of that manger. And you think about the beauty of Christ in that manger. You think about the filthiness of the stable. And think about the purity of the Son of God in that stable. And I'm just trying to say to you this morning, that piece of stone became a showcase of the wonderful, wondrous grace of God that Christmas morning. That little cradle, that little manger that nasty feeding trough became a showcase of God's providential plan in their lives that day you better believe that's an unlikely way to present Christ to the world none of us would have planned it that way I think I would be wise to say Mary wouldn't have planned it that way I'm sure Mary wasn't expecting to be in a stable somewhere I'm sure Mary, I'm sure Joseph wasn't planning that. I'm sure Joseph got to thinking maybe, I mean, it's been hard enough. Uh, this whole experience has been hard enough on her. I mean, all this has been so heavy for her to carry. I mean, as far as a baby's concerned, and then uh, the, what the announcement was nine months prior to this, and all the ridicule and all the stuff that's going on, I mean, it's hard enough for her. Well, I mean, at least I could give her a comfortable place to have this baby. And I'm sure Joseph was scratching his head, up thinking, why in the world like this? And Mary's thinking, this is not the way I would plan it. But God had a plan to display his marvelous grace in the life of Mary and Joseph. Again, I want to announce this. I'm saying, I'm thinking that I, I'm thinking that they are thinking those things, but we never read them say anything about it. We never read them complain. You know what? Instead, they deflect the attention all to that little baby in that manger. I read this quote this weekend what life does to us often depends on what life finds in us what life does to us is often is often depends on what life finds in us we find in Mary and Joseph the character of somebody who just trusts the providential hand of God they're just relying on him and so if this is the way God wants it to be done, this is his will, this is his baby, this is his boy, this is him, he can do what he wants to. We see that bring out. Let me ask you something. What do you do when life hands you unwanted packages? Why don't you decide and make a choice this morning not just to recognize God's providence, but why don't you respond in a way that says, hey, this is God's grace in my life. Why don't you decide this morning that I'm going to receive the gift of God without murmuring and without complaining? Hey, you never know that unwanted package in your life, that undesirable gift in your life may be the encasement of God's grace in your life. I was told not long ago, reminded, I believe it was Adam Aaron Justin, I believe it was his uh, funeral, the quote was read, they that, hand, they that deliver roses must handle thorns. He's talking about those that are doing the work. And then uh, the, something being that he's giving out the rose of Sharon. He's giving out Jesus. He was giving out Jesus, but he had a hard life. I'm reminded, I've been reminded before about the times where if God is going to distribute you, he's going to have to break you first. There's been many people that God used in a mighty way and it was all after some great breaking in their life, some gift that was given to them that they didn't want, some gift that was given to them they didn't desire. But God used that bad thing in their life for good in their life and that, gr that grief was a, the encasement of grace and God's providential hand was working in their life. 
So I see the gift of God's promise. I see, I see their, their recognition. I see their response. But last time I'm done, I see their resting in his providence. Why was God willing to give Mary such an unusual package? Why was, uh, why was she picked for the job, if, if I could say it like that? Why, why was Mary picked for that special gift? I mean, surely there were other girls in, in, in Jerusalem that would have been worthy. No doubt there were some other girls that were pure and some other girls that were upright. But, but why Mary? I want you to understand, first of all, Mary wasn't perfect. She wasn't perfect before and she wasn't perfect after she had the baby. She has no redemptive power whatsoever. Amen. And uh, you ought not pray to her. She's just a woman. She's a, she, she, was, she was blessed among women is what the angel said to her. She's among women. But here's, here's what I believe. Now, first of all, here's, here's the first answer to that question is, by God, it was God's grace. Right? God's grace is what chose Mary out. Okay? And in reality, the full revelation of that answer or the full, uh, the complete answer to the question, why Mary? God's the only one that knows. But I think it's significant that Mary was willing, that she was submitted to receive God's unusual and maybe heavy gift that he had for her. I mean, you think about it. Sure, there's a great cost involved with Mary, right? She's going to give not just nine months of her life. You mamas know she's got to give the rest of her life, right, to care for this baby. There's a lot of cost involved with Mary, but watch this. Here's the thing. She yielded to the Lord. And she bore the cost because of the gift that God was giving. She, she recognized, now this wasn't the way she was planning her life to go. But she recognized the providence in God's gift to her. She recognized, and then she, she responded to God's providence with grace. Hey, I'm, she just receives it. And I tell you what, God found a, a woman, found a woman there who was completely yielded to her. His purpose for her life. You think about what all she had against her. She's poor. She's engaged to a poor man. She's not popular. She doesn't have influence as far as we know. She's from Nazareth. She's from a place that uh, most people don't like people from Nazareth. They're rough folks and, and they have no influence. And that's where she's from. So why'd God go down to Nazareth to find Mary? Well, it's because down in that little town. Where he found a girl that was willing to do whatever it was he had for her to do. Totally submitted to the plan for her life. Yielded to his purpose. You know, great works rarely start in big places. Great works rarely start in big places, but in small places maybe, or in some small person with a big commitment. See, God's not looking for the strong not looking for the rich. He's not looking for the famous. Can he use strong, rich, famous people? Sure he can. But that's not what God's looking for. Because God don't need your strength. And God doesn't need your riches. And God don't need your fame. So God's not going out and looking for the big people. He's looking for some small people with big commitment. He's looking for some folks that are unlikely to really amount to much. Them totally yield themselves to God. And when you look back on the end of their story, you won't be bragging about them. You'll be bragging about him. When you look back at their story, you won't be saying how great of a person they are. You'll say, man, what, what did God do with them? Look what God did with them. 
See, God's not looking for what we look for in this world. See, God is looking to give his most precious gift to those who are just yielded to his will for their life. You know what happens, bro? Most of us, though, most of us look at those gifts and they're wrapped in a distasteful way. They come to us in a dis, dis, uh, uh, disappointing way and we look at it and in our selfishness, we say, God, get me out of this. God, take this away from me. God, take this gift, get, take it back. But that's not what Mary said. In chapter 1, Mary said this, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. William Barclay, great preacher of the past, said this, The world's most popular prayer is thy will be changed. Y'all hear that? The most popular prayer of the world is thy will be changed. God, I see what you're doing, but would you change it? If this is your will for my life, would you change it? That may be the most popular prayer. But the greatest prayer that could ever be prayed is thy will be done. Thy will be done. So this morning, what about you? Are you staggering under the load of an unexpected package? An unexpected gift, an unusual thing that's going on in your life that you would not have chose for yourself? Or are you, uh, are you under such a load of something you have no power to get rid of on your own? It's unavoidable in your life. Maybe you're struggling just to understand uh, what God is doing in these circumstances. Maybe you're struggling with, why is this coming to my life? Maybe you're just disappointed by the failed expectations and this is not the way I planned it. It, it. Maybe, maybe that's you this morning. I don't know. I might have said, look no further than the stable in Bethlehem and peek over into that stable where you see a travel-wearied mama worn down from a long days of travel. She'd got there and there's even no place for her comfortable to lay her head down. And now that weary woman is now laying her precious little baby in a cradle. Oh, it's not a cradle or a crib, but a crude, dirty manger. Oh, peek over into the Bethlehem stable where you see a man that for nine months his life has been turned upside down. Everything has gone backwards from the way he planned it. Nothing is going the way he designed it. And man, I'm telling you, it's out of his control and it's unavoidable. And I'm telling you, God has wrecked his world and so to speak, I don't mean a bad way, but it looks real bad on the outside. Take a peek into that stable and see all of this circumstance. And see the unusual wrapping paper on this gift. But don't just focus on the wrapping. Don't just focus on the circumstances. Make sure you look into that manger. And when you look into that manger, when you see that little baby, don't just see a little baby, but know that's the very face of God. That's God Himself in that unlikely circumstance. That's God right in the middle of unlikely things, unexpected things, undesirable things. God is right in the middle of it all. And see the presence of God there. See the peace of God there. See the providence of God there. The presentation of Christ in this world is not the way we'd have planned it. But it's wrapped in grace. And it's laced in the providence of God.
I'm trying to declare to you this morning, as I've been trying to declare the last couple services, Christmas is a gift. And it's this morning we see it's the gift of the providence of God. So my challenge to you this morning is trust His providence. Trust that He's got a plan. And then let that work in your life that you may showcase the grace of God in your life. Respond to it the right way. Recognize it. Respond to it the right way. And then willing, holy, and holy surrender your will to His will and let God work His grace in those gifts. Because you never know. You never know what might be underneath all that bad wrapping, all that bad packaging. Might be an unexpected gift of grace. And you may not see it right now, but down the road, you can see it. There's some people in this room, you've already got some things in your life you can look back on and say, hey, it was God. Didn't like it when I was going through it. Didn't like it when it was happening. Oh, but I can see God's hand in it now. They some of you in this room, you're going through some stuff. You don't know why. They some in our church, they're going through some stuff. And the question is, why, why, why? Don't know why. Don't know what the purpose is behind all this. You may not see it now, but just trust God's providence in your life. Christmas is a gift of God's providence. Will you recognize it? Will you rejoice in it? Respond to it in grace. Maybe you've got something you're going through this morning. Maybe something you're facing. And it's wrapped in an unexpected, undesirable way. Maybe you just want to pray and ask the Lord to help you recognize His working in it. I'm glad God can draw a straight line with a crooked stick. I'm glad He can do a whole lot more with our mess than we could do with our what we think is our strength. In, in, in our weakness, He's strong. In our smallness, He's great. In our foolishness, He's wise. He can take the foolish things of this world and confound the wise. Your littleness, your smallness, your inabilities, or whatever it is, you just give them over to God. There's no telling what you can do, what He can do with you. You keep keeping in your hands, you keep trying to do it your own power. I'll tell you what you're headed for is a fall. God's gift of providence.